would turn with me this morning to the book of Galatians. We're going to continue with this text, chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Let us read. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again, now if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. The Apostle Paul is introducing to us the reason that he was writing to the churches in Galatia. We know that for some reason, the Galatian believers are starting down a road that is very disturbing to Paul. So much so that Paul shot directly to the point in this letter. He did not have any courtesies. He did not say that he was thankful for them or anything like that, which is very uncharacteristic to the other writings that we've seen of Paul that we have. Even to the church in Corinth, which was a huge mess. He gave a cordial greeting. So after giving a short summary of the gospel in the first five verses, Paul goes directly to the point. We see that the churches in Galatia have opened themselves up to false teaching. And they've also opened themselves up to false teachers. These false teachers brought with them a distorted a modified version of the gospel. And the churches are tolerating this lie. As we identified last time, the lie that is being told is that for anyone to be saved, they must go through the law, be circumcised if you're a man, and must hold to the Mosaic law. It's traditions and its ceremonies. And Paul speaks to these false teachers eight times in this letter. In chapter 2, verse 4, they are called false brethren, secretly brought in. The same chapter, verse 12, Paul refers to them as the party of the circumcision. Chapter 3, verse 1, Paul refers to them as those who have bewitched you. Chapter 4, Verse 17, they're referred to as those who eagerly seek you, not commendably. Chapter 5, verse 7, they are called those who hindered you from obeying the truth. And chapter 6, verse 12, Paul calls them those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh. This teaching is coming from Jewish men that came from Judea, as we saw in Acts chapter 15. We also see Acts chapter 15, verse 5. It seems that it is a sect of the Pharisees that is taking credit for this teaching when they were at the council in Jerusalem. We must remember that this sect is said to be believing, meaning that they're not openly opposed to Christ. They are claiming that they have Christ, that they believe in Christ. 
And that's the same with so many false religions this day that we know of. The Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, even the Catholics, they all claim that they proclaim Christ. But yet they bring a false message. When we think of the Pharisees, most of us think of their direct interaction with Jesus in the gospel records. The only places that we see the interactions of the Pharisees in Scripture is in the four gospel accounts and here in Acts with their interactions with Jesus and with the apostles. These interactions, for the most part, were negative in nature, with a few exceptions. And there were three Pharisees named in the scriptures. There were Nicodemus, Gamaliel, and Saul, who we know as Paul. And if you're like I am, I had a hard time with ever believing that the Pharisees could get saved. But we know through scripture that Nicodemus got saved when he, by the work that he did with the caring for of Jesus' body. And we know that Saul, who his Roman name was Paul, also got saved through his direct intervention on the road Damascus by Jesus. And so we know that they got saved. However, that's a very small number considering that Josephus estimated that there was probably about 6,000 members of the sect of the Pharisees at that time. The Pharisees were known for starting the synagogue system that focused on teaching and focused on the law outside of the temple, outside of the worships and sacrifices of the temple. The Pharisees believed that keeping the law, the commandments, the rituals, and the ceremonies was the only true way to be right with God and to be accepted by God. So much so that if you felt compelled to become a Pharisee, you would take a pledge in the presence of three members of the Pharisees. The pledge stated that they would hold a strict observance of Levitical purity. They pledged to the avoidance of closer association with the ignorant, careless, and ill-mannered. Their pledge can also continue to say that they held to the scrupulous payment of tithes and other imposts that were due to the priests, the Levite, and to the poor. And they pledged to a conscientious regard for vows and other people's property. A lot of that sounds good. A lot of that sounds great. Okay, it sounds in high regard. One of the ways the Pharisees was to achieve this vow was to follow the scribal law. The scribal law consisted of the Mishnah. And then that is the Jewish codification of the law. So like when my best example of that would be that you look at the building codes in the city and you see that they require a handicap access. 
Well, that is just one thing that it says. The codification of that is that the access must have a certain width. There must be a certain slope to the ramp. And that's what the Mishnah was. The Mishnah was how the Jews came up with the way of supplementing the Torah. The Torah was the five books of the law, the Old Testament, and it was written by Moses, given to him from God. But the Mishnah was written by men, and it was to give instruction on how to appropriately follow the laws of Moses. Included in the Mishnah was the Talmud, which was a commentary on the Mishnah. And the commentary was brought about by the Pharisees. They commented on everything in the Mishnah and how to, how to follow the writings of the Mishnah. The Mishnah was man's way of how they could follow the law. It's how we got things like what a load is on the Sabbath day. It is their attempt to create these things. And that is why Paul in Philippians 3, 6 says that he could say that he was found blameless when it came to the law because he kept everything that the Mishnah said to the finest detail. This sect of Judaism, the Pharisees, was so influential that their teachings and establishment of the synagogues is still the mainstream norm for the Jewish system today. This example shows huge influence that false teaching can have on the church. False teachers are referred to in Scripture in many different forms. And the question is, who are these false teachers? Who are they? What do they look like? Matthew 7.15, Jesus referred to them as ravenous wolves. It says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Paul declares the same of them in Acts 20, 29. He says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. The book of Jude, verse 4, calls them those who were marked out for condemnation. It says, for certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. We also see Jude 12 and 13. These are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feasts when they feast with you without fear, caring for themselves, clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars from whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. And Peter 2, 1 through 2, says this about false teachers. 
But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. And we see that going on here in Galatians 1. The way of the truth is being maligned because of false teachers. Many of these passages show these false teachers as being very deceiving. They look good. They hide. They disguise themselves well. Jesus said that they will come to you in sheep's clothing, meaning that outwardly they will look like all of those who believe. They will look and act the same as true believers look and act. But inwardly, Jude says, they are unnoticed and hidden. They have this way about them that is unnoticed and hidden on the inward. Paul in Galatians 2.4 speaks of them as spies. And Jesus and Peter call them false prophets. The false teachers are good at deception. They come to you as teachers. They are teachers. And I'm sure many of them come highly recommended because of what they know, what their credentials are. When you look at people revered as teachers, they usually come with some sort of title or credentials. That's not necessarily a bad thing. But these false teachers are doing this. These are Pharisees in this text. They are coming to them as a title of Pharisee. They know the law. They know what the law says. They know how to teach the law. And this is what the world demands. Outside of the church, the world demands this. If you are to be teachers in schools, if you are to be a professor, you are to have credentials. You are to have a PhD. You are to have whatever it is that is required in the world system. And somehow, this seems to be meaning that you have arrived when in all actuality it means that you have done the work it takes to get these credentials. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have arrived. It means that you've fulfilled a requirement to be handed this title. And this manifests itself into the church. Churches want to hire people with certain education requirements to be able to say that they have someone who is qualified to do so so that we can boast about this person and put them on a high pedestal. We can say just like those in the church in Corinth, they said, I am of Paul. And another one said, I am of Apollos. And some wanting to be even more spiritual, I am of Christ. And I am of Christ is a great thing. But do you believe it? Do you have it inside you? Or are you trying to elevate yourself. Now, again, I don't think education is a bad thing. 
You have your theology down. You want to gain knowledge. You want to gain wisdom. You want to gain skills in teaching. That's great. And I think it's wonderful. You want to improve upon yourself. It's commendable. And I'm not saying again that anybody who has credentials is a false teacher. There are many out there who have credentials that are not false teachers. Okay? But what I am saying is that we need to be able to spot the false teachers. We need to be able to spot the false teachers. So we see Paul is saying that these false teachers, they have credentials and titles as Pharisees. They are highly educated in the ways of the law. And they are trying to tell the church that they know how to do church. They know how to teach the ways of God. They're saying we came up with the synagogue system. That is the way it is done today. And we know what it truly means to be saved. And in essence, they're proclaiming that they know better than God does. And they know better than Paul did when he brought them the truth. These false teachers are so good and so influential that even the apostle Peter separated himself from the Gentiles to go eat with the Jews because of his fear of the sect of the Pharisees, those who were of the circumcision. And it's so much so that we look and that Paul says here in our text, but if even we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. Paul says, even if I preach to you a gospel that is not what I brought you before, that is not the true gospel, we're to be accursed. These people look so good that he has to go to the extent of saying that even if an angel gives you a false gospel, that'd be something, wouldn't it? An angel standing in front of you? Even if an angel gives you a false message, you are to reject them. He's saying, don't look at the man, look at the message. What are they bringing you? Does it line up with Scripture? Or does it not? Because guess what? Scripture says, even Satan and his ministers clothe themselves in righteousness. They want you to look. They disguise themselves in righteousness. That's 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15 For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. He says, look at what they're teaching. Does it line up with Scripture? If it does not line up with Scripture, you are to reject them. 
I don't care how good they look on the outside. I don't care how good they act. They disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. And in the Greek, the word apostle is teacher. So they disguise themselves as teachers of Christ. And it says that Satan's demons do the same. They look like angels of God. But look at the message. That is why in Acts 17.11 it is said of the Bereans. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. They were more noble-minded because they looked at what was being taught to them to confirm who it was they was teaching. To confirm that this man was teaching, was teaching the truth. He was a true teacher of Christ. So first and foremost, we need to be diligent to examine those who are teaching according to the scriptures through what we can discern and we see the true teacher from the false teacher. He says here, Paul, that you know the true gospel. He told the Galatians here, they know the true gospel. He gave them the true gospel. And you also can spot the false through that. So don't follow the false because God is the one who ordains. God is the one who raises up. God is the one who tears down. And God gives his approval and credentials. It's not by the efforts and the working of man. Again, don't get me wrong. I have no problem with education. I have no problem with anybody who wants to better their skills. I have no problem with anybody who wants more knowledge. I seek knowledge all the time. I seek to try and better my skills all the time. But look at what the truth is and know what the truth is. We need to base our spiritual well-being on the word of God, not the man. That's why you hear many times, many preachers, including myself, we pray that God speaks through us because it is not me that should be speaking. It is God that should be speaking. We need to be diligent to look at the scriptures and know the truth from the lie. We need to be diligent to do that, brothers and sisters. Because if we follow those who are giving us a lie, again, we will be ineffective. We will not be effective for the ministry. And we will be following people who are accursed, as we see in this letter. And accursed there is the most damning language in all of Scripture. 
These people do not have a sacrifice for them any longer. They have rejected Christ and they are leading others to hell and damnation through their lies. So we need to be diligent. We need to know what the book says. We need to stay in the word. And we've looked at these false teachers this week. Next week, I want to look at their methods of the false teaching, how they do it, what they do. So let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are God. Lord, that uh, you do abundantly greater than anything we could believe, think, or imagine. God, I ask that uh, you would make sure that we know the truth. Make sure we can spot the lie and the false. Because, Lord, it is so deceiving and it is so good at its deception that even Peter, even Peter, who spent three years with you, learning from you, turned away for a short time until he was confronted. Lord, I thank you for those who are here. I thank you so much for your great work. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Amen.